Hello, everybody. What a great, great treat for Heidi and I to be with you once again. We always love our assignment when uh, uh, your pastor gives us a call and allows us to have this uh, privilege uh, to stand before you. You're blessed. You have a great church. Give the Lord a praise. Can you do that? It's awesome. Awesome, awesome. You didn't I didn't make it. A, I was telling the earlier church that, uh, you know, periodically I, I, I cry. Have you known that through the years that periodically? So I go to churches now and all the ushers are out there making bets. You know, will Keith cry at the five-minute mark, the ten-minute mark? No, I'm just playing with you. Some tell me that. But uh, it's, it's just wonderful to be here and share with you. I have a little illustration for you today. Because I know Pastor Mike always has illustration in his messages, so I wanted to compliment him today in his new assignments in life and ministry. But what a thrill to be planted in this place and, and uh, encourage and love one another in this uh, life journey and, uh, and just to come to a place where you can be loved and you can trigger your love for the Father and your love one for another. Thank you for your generosity to your local church in your giving. Of course, you have a phenomenal campus. You're doing phenomenal things in your community and region and around the world. So thank you for allowing Heidi and I and the teams of Mutual Faith to be an extension of your love uh, as well through the mission giving of this church. So we're, we're, we never take it lightly and we're very, very grateful. What I would like to do for a few moments this morning is put something in my heart that's going to stir your spirit. It's, it's going to thrill you. The love of God in Christ is enough for you. Let me explain what I mean. If you have a Bible, you can follow along with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Paul the Apostle says this. He says, for the love of Christ. Oh, no. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9. It says, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Yes. I love this verse because the gospel is all about gift. The gospel has nothing to do with you trying to be good enough, trying to be moral enough, trying to do anything. The gospel is not about you. The gospel is about Jesus. The gospel is about a gift God has given, the gospel of the gift, and it's indescribable. When you understand that there is not human language to fully articulate the love of the Lamb. And what we have to do in our lives is position ourselves to understand that God's desire for us is astonishing. Thanks be to God. For his indescribable gift. Let me explain a little bit about a gift. You see, I brought gifts. I came bearing gifts. In fact, all the books that are out there, they're gifted to you, okay? If you'd like one of the gifts out there, there's gifts, little books I've written. There's the newest book on relationships by my son. It's a brilliant book. They're all gifts. If we've run out, you know, I'll send the church more. So anybody who wants any of them can have all of them, Okay. They're gifted to you, no strings attached. But here's the thing about gift. We don't understand it in our culture. Because in our cultures, 
in our cultures, we're so addicted to ourselves. We're so addicted, entrapped by the merit mindset. It's always got to be up to us. It's always got to be up to us. And we take that into our relationship with God, and we always feel disappointed in ourselves because we don't understand it's really the gospel of the gift. It has nothing to do with merit. It's the unmerited favor. It's the unmerited love of the Father that swallows you up. And here's something that's wonderful. Here's a little shipping box that I had in my office. And, uh, you know, we all understand shipping these days, don't we? FedEx, UPS, all these companies. My wife, she's a professional at ordering things online, right? <laughs> I mean, Amazon, all these kinds. She, she, uh, groceries, you know, whatever. We order. So when I'm, when I'm at Life Center USA here in America and I... I pull up in our driveway after the day of work and I see boxes. Sometimes I get a little smile like, maybe Heidi ordered something for me. <laughs> That's wishful thinking. Don't ever give your mind to such a thought. Anyway, Heidi's all, you know, ordering stuff for the grandkids or whatever, which is wonderful. But boxes take a beating. This box represents your human life. This represents you according to you. This is you according to your flesh life. This is the way you understand yourself. You looked in the mirror this morning and said, yikes. Right? So you worked on the flesh, right? I realized I didn't shave today. I'm kind of embarrassed about it because, uh, but then I looked again in the mirror. I said, you know, I kind of look stunning. No, not really. But, but the thing is, we know ourselves according to our boxes. They're beat up. They're marked up. And they're labeled. In other words, you wear labels in your life, don't you? Your daddy said something to you. Your mama said something to you. Your ex-spouse said something to you. Your kids said something to you. And so you have, in fact, you've said something about you. You're your own worst enemy many times in the flesh. You've called yourself names. You're good for nothing, can never do nothing right, will never get a good job. Your dreams will never come to, you've announced those things. In your flesh, you live according to labels. And so you live disappointed, you live frustrated, and you try to relate to God according to you. And so to do it effectively, you have to lie to yourself. You have to live a lie to think you're righteous. You have to live a lie thinking you've done enough good works to be good enough like you're really, you know, welcome in the Father's family. But the gospel that's presented to you has nothing to do with you. God doesn't know you according to your flesh. God knows you according to the gift. The gift, Jesus, when you receive it, wraps you. Your gift wrapped. God doesn't know you according to your flesh life. He knows you according to Christ's life. You're looking real good today. When you're in him, see, Jesus is God's opinion of you. And the beauty of the gospel is you're hid in Christ in God. You're gift wrapped. And so the gospel of the gift is to get you so addicted to the love of the lamb where you choose never to know yourself according to yourself. The Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians 5 to know, one, no, to know no one any longer according to the flesh. And then it says not even Christ. You're not even to know Jesus according to a Bible story. You're going to know Jesus according to the cross and the risenness and his ascended position as Lord of all. 
The beauty, because that's your identity. You are hid in him. And so you don't need to live in the flesh, because if you do, you'll act in the flesh. You'll always diminish yourself. You'll be judgment-minded. But if you live according to Christ, you live according to the love of the Lamb of God. Let me show you a verse that's kind of cool. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 says this. It says, for the love of Christ compels us. You know, these 35 years of mutual faith ministries, uh, this is our 35th year. And a lot of times when I'm traveling in America, people are always asking me, Keith, how do you, how do you, stay, how do you stay motivated? And not, 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 not very easily. If I'm living in the flesh, I'm very not motivated. I'm not very helpful. I'm not very caring. I'm not very giving. I'm pretty grumpy. But if I can live loved, I find my motivation. I find my compelling energy. This is why I do mission projects, because I choose to live love. Otherwise, I wouldn't do nothing. Keith Hershey, according to the flesh, would not do anything because I've done missions work now 40 years, 35 years of mutual faith, five years with another organization. So people can say, Keith, how, how, do you, how do you stay compelled? How do you motivate people? Or some pastors will want me to come to their church. Can you motivate my people to be on time? Can you motivate, can you motivate my people to volunteer at the events? Can you motivate my people to give? And I always tell pastors, I can't motivate myself hardly to do anything, let alone motivate somebody else. The only way I've learned to be motivated and compelled is to be loved. The love, look at the love of Christ, not my love for Christ. It does not say my love for Jesus compels me. I tried that for many, many years in the ministry. I tried to love God harder. More. I failed miserably. But I would always go to the church with a smile. But I knew I had I, I was knowing myself according to this life, the flesh life, not according to the Christ life. I'm learning to live loved. When I'm letting God love me, my love for Jesus is automatic. It's not even a thought. I don't have to work up nothing. It's a response of living loved. I believe God doesn't know me according to me. I believe God knows me according to Jesus. My life is hid in him. And this is the beauty. So the love of Christ, not for Christ, the love of Christ compels me. It motivates me. It moves me. How do you know you're loved? I'm glad you asked. The, the, the verse answers it. Look at this. Because we judge thus. We make a decision. A judgment is a decision. It's a calculation. It's a revelation. We judge thus that if one died, who's the one? Jesus. If the one died, all died. This is how you know you're loved. It always comes back to the cross. When Jesus died, God said you were there. You and I were included in him then. This is what's so astonishing. Paul said it this way. I have been crucified with Christ. Huh? Yeah. I have been crucified, yet I live, yet not I. But, 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 but Christ, Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of Jesus. I live gift-wrapped. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. And he gave himself for me. 
See, God's opinion of you is you already died in Christ. When Jesus died, you died. I died. Everyone everywhere was included. They haven't known it. They haven't heard it, so they can't believe it. We have to announce the news of people's reconciled position before the Father that God knows them according to the Lamb. God knows them according to the gift. So we announce the news of the gift. The gospel is only about gift. It's not about merit. It's not about doing better. It's not trying to about fixing yourself up to be good enough. It's about gift. And when you live loved, you find that you live the life of Christ or the Christ life is expressed through you. When Keith Hershey lives in the flesh, and he still does, every day I'm tempted to live this way. I'm tempted to be grumpy. I'm tempted to be frustrated. I have to live loved every day to have this life expressed. The fruit of the spirit is different than the works of the flesh. Flesh only produces things by work and effort. In Galatians 5, it talks about the works of the flesh are these. And it gives a long list of things that will absolutely depress you. But then it says, but the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit life of Christ is never work-based. It's released by the lamb. It's the life of Christ, the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all nine fruit of the Spirit. It's the Christ life expressed in our lives just because we've chosen to believe and receive the love of the lamb. And let our hearts be saturated in the beauty of what he has done. So this is the way I stay compelled. The love of Christ compels me. Every day I choose to live this way. This wrapping, the gift Jesus, can't be ripped off you. I used to believe when I was young, you know, when I went to church, that I gave my life to Jesus. And then if I was naughty, which was often, <laughs> then I, you know, if I lived in the flesh or acted in the flesh, I kind of lost the life but of, of Christ. But really, the Bible teaches this, that you're one spirit with the Lord. When you believe and you receive, you're, 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 it's like Jesus is shrunk-wrapped to you through and through. You're in him, he's in you. It's a mystery. It's astonishing. It's, it's the love of God in Christ that can't be ripped off you. All you have to do is renew your position of being loved. Renew the reality, change your thinking and understand that, hey, Jesus has you. Live love and you'll find that your actions, your ways, your attitudes will change. And you'll find a momentum, you'll find motivation in your life and ministry. That's my wife's phone, I know that one. Does that mean my time is up, Mrs. Hershey? Huh, is that the alarm? Let's give Heidi a big applause for that. She just does such phenomenal work. <laughs> I like to pick on my wife, praise the Lord. Now, that response from Keith Hershey was this guy right here. This is This guy would have ignored it and said, my beloved wife is just awesome. Let me show you how to be compelled. See, some people need to be compelled in their marriage. Raising their kids. Raising their grandkids. Serving the Lord. Getting up tomorrow. 
Some people need motivation for almost anything because, you know, our world is really under oppression and fear and anxiety and like antichrist mindedness. You know, it's all over the world, not just United States. So all over the world, people are anti-gift. They're anti-Christ, so to speak. And everything is based on sufficiency and this, that, and the other. But let me show you something kind of cool about being compelled. Jesus talks about different things that we're compelled to do. Let me show you some real quick and see how you and I are doing. Number one, he compels, we're compelled to go the extra mile. Doesn't that sound lovely? Look at Jesus said in Matthew 5, 41. Jesus said, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. I'll just be honest with you. This guy didn't want to do nothing. I don't want to go the first mile, let alone the second mile. I don't want to help. This guy, this guy, I know none of you have this challenge, but this preacher does. Keith Hershey in the flesh isn't even compelled. Listen, if you do works in the nations, in missions, or anywhere, you're always compelled by enormous challenges. The only way I can be motivated and excited and thrilled with the interruptions of life is to stay loved. This guy's compelled to do everything. This guy knows how to say yes. This guy goes the extra mile and the, and the extra, extra mile. It, it's amazing to me. There's nothing I can do in and of myself to, to solve anything. But in Christ, it's, it's, it becomes a possibility. Some of us may not have the same assignments in life. Of course, we have different occupations, different callings, and they're all beautiful. They're all important. But we all have lives. We live in a home normally, right? There's family members. Do any of you have any family members that compel you to go the first mile and then the second mile and they need some? None of you. You're wonderful. Let me ship you some of my relatives. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because I find in the Hershey genealogy pool, there's a lot of human hurts. And you know who gets a lot of them? They call the preacher. And this guy, if this guy's not living love, this guy can be really, really short with people. None of you are like this. You have the perfect church, Pastor. So this is the way, this is the way I stay motivated. I'm compelled by the love of Christ. I'm moved because I believe that God sees me in him. Let me show you some mission pictures real quick. This is uh, people going to church at some of our Churches we plan. How'd you like to go to church every week like that? You have a car to drive here, don't you? You have air conditioning. You have heater in your car. You know, you some, we got to ride up the mountain. There's no roads to these places. If I was there week in and week out, I don't think I could be compelled after the first service. It'd take the grace of God for me to do this. We got great teams, great people. Let's go on. You know, here's an unreached people group called the Nobi people. No, no gospel is there. Now we have gospel there. It's awesome. Look at this. Let's go to another picture. You know, our teams always need things, vehicles. This guy doesn't want to buy nobody nothing. I really don't, especially nothing brand new. I mean, I'll buy something used for a couple thousand dollars, but not something for twenty-seven, eight thousand dollars 8000 This guy didn't want to do it, but you know what this guy does? This guy's loaded. This guy, this guy acts like, yes, let's go for it. And when I announce things, God gives me things. 
Let's go to number two. Compelled to give extra. Isn't that a bummer? This, this, this guy doesn't want to do it. He doesn't. But this guy does. Jesus said this, Luke 6, 29. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Isn't that a bummer? <laughs> this is what we do in missions all the time, and it's constant. Let's go to a couple mission pictures I'll show you. This is in the Middle East. This is where we help all the, the Muslims, Syrian refugees, with free everything. We've done it since, you know, the war. I don't know how many years now. Thousands of families. Let's go to another picture. We rent apartments for people. This is me on the floor of an apartment. I rented that apartment for six months for $600 a month. And I had my little team there. This Muslim lady, she's not a Muslim anymore. She's in Christ. She's gift wrapped. Now, she dresses like a Muslim. You'd say, oh, she's a Muslim. Well, culturally, she's, I guess, you know, Muslim, or they, she might say that culturally, but she's in Christ. She, she says she's born again. She's, she's filled with the Spirit. Now, when they told me that we needed to rent apartments, $600 a month, this guy said no. I don't want to rent anybody an apartment anywhere. I'm strapped. But when Keith heard, she let God love him. I said, let's do it. Their whole family got redeemed, Amen. saved. So now we build apartments of our own so I don't have to pay rent anymore. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Schools, paying all these kids school fees at our center, 120 of them. This guy didn't want to pay nobody's fees. I can hardly pay the fees of my grandkids. You know what I mean? But now it's beautiful. Let's go to another picture real quick. That's our center in, in Nigeria. This is our kids, some of them. I was showing Pastor Mike. I got a picture on my video. I'll show you after church. Our two newest kids, like 20 days ago, our two newest kids, ISIS kids, they did a raid in our Muslim area with a military, and they caught this ISIS cell. The, the father was killed. The mother was arrested. The two kids are with us. It's awesome. When you're gift-wrapped, you're, you invite interruptions. I wrote our team leader back after I saw the picture. I said, do they have to stay forever? You know, because I'm thinking, how many years do I got to feed them and clothe them? and take? You know, this guy thinks that way. This guy does. Now, maybe you don't. God bless you. This guy does. This guy calculates all the time. This guy lived love. Bring them all. Bring them all. We got room. That's why we're building another space. It's awesome. Let's go to another. Uh, are we at another picture? Or what are we at now next? Hallelujah. Compelled, number three, compelled to feed the hungry. Compelled to feed the hungry. You know, your church does so many outreaches, so many things, and I'm sure there's always the invitation to participate in something. Ah, man, really? You know? But this is why when you live love, when you come to church to be loved by the Father, you're triggered. And you live differently. You have a joy. You have an expectancy. It's like, it's like favor finds you. It's beautiful. And then you're compelled. Look at, look at this. Uh, Jesus said this. Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies. This guy says, you got to be kidding me. 
it's hard at times to love my, you know, my, my family. But this guy can love my enemies. Then he says, bless those who curse you. Really? Have you ever been cursed out real good? Have you ever just been easy to hold your tongue and said, praise the Lord, that was lovely. Could we have lunch? You know, most of us want to lash, right? Most of us, how many know that this guy always wants the last word? Your flesh always wants the last word. But if you're gift wrapped, you can bless those who curse you. Look, it says, do good to those who hate you. What? Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I've known doing the work of the ministry all these years in, in troubled countries. Man, we've had some haters. Man, we've had some enemies. We've had some people come against our ministry Really, really, really. And I tell you, I used to get so furious. This guy did. Whew. My wife could testify, but she's going to stay in the front row. Hallelujah. She could. She's already interrupted the service once. But Heidi could testify, so ask her after church. You know, I, 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 I still, I'm still tempted. to. I get furious sometimes. I know none of you can relate. But Keith Hershey in the flesh... There's no good thing in him. No good thing in the flesh. Bible says that. That's a Bible verse, by the way. That's a Bible verse. There's no good thing in your flesh. So why do you take time to know yourself according to the flesh? If you live in the flesh, you'll judge yourself harshly and you'll be judgment-minded. If you're judging everybody around you because they're not as good as you and moral as you and as pretty as you and as nice as you and as whatever, well, you know what? I'd change, I'd change your thinking. I'd come to a Christ-loved life. I'd be loved, and then you can live out the reality of these things Jesus asks us all to do. This is what we try to do in missions. Let's go to a couple mission pictures. We're always feeding people thousands and thousands every year. Let's go to the next picture. This is our campus in the Philippines, always feeding people, thousands and thousands. Let's go to the next. Uh, next. This is why I do it. I, 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 I only do it because God is merciful to me, and I've learned to be loved. It's the only thing that fixes everything. Are you having a good time? Compelled to build. What a bummer. This guy doesn't want to build nothing. I'm crying a lot today. What happened? I usually cry once. <laughs> I need a drink. <laughs> I think I need a stiff drink. Hallelujah. <laughs> Communion. Hallelujah. 
Look at this. Uh, Turn that into wine. Straight to the bottle. Hallelujah. Thank you. Look at this story, Luke 7. They came to Jesus. That's Jesus' disciples. And they begged Jesus. You ever feel like you got to beg Jesus to do something? That's an old mindset. They begged Jesus saying that the one for whom he should do this miracle was deserving. Now see, this guy likes deserving. Self-sufficiency. Your own capacity. Merit. That's an Old Testament mindset. That has nothing to do with the new covenant. The new covenant has nothing to do with merit. It's unmerited favor. It's unmerited grace. It's grace that's not deserving. You don't qualify for it. You have been pre-approved through the work of one that you were seen in from God's point of view. So you take the testimony of the Father, which becomes your faith. When you agree with God, you have faith. Because Jesus' expression is the fullness of the Father, and in him you have the faith of God. Faith is found in Christ, period. It's, faith is never your... Faith is never a problem. There's never a deficiency of faith when you're being loved. Faith is present because you calculate faith at the cross. You calculate the love of God at the cross. You calculate everything you need at the cross. It doesn't have to be deserving. Why did they think he was deserving? Because he was patriotic. He loved his country. Cool. That's a good thing to do. But look at this. He built us a synagogue. The brother had some money. One brother built the whole thing. You know, there's such wealth being created. Now, some of it's got to flood into the hands of people like you and me, believers, with astonishing sums of money that can just do something so significant with, 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 a, with a thought. Pastor Mike knows couple of our board members, Ray and Rita Wong. I was at their house recently for Ray's 90th birthday party. And uh, we're having Chinese food. He's Chinese. <laughs> and having a good time. And Rita was telling me, hey, a friend we know operates a nonprofit up in the Bay Area. And she looked on her phone to the San Francisco Chronicles. Is that what it is, the newspaper? Showed me this article that one person gave my friend one gift of $200 million. It's a lot of money. But you know what? That gets people nowhere apart from their inclusion in Christ. But it just shows you the kinds of money that's available in the world today. This guy had some money in his time and in his culture. One guy built the whole thing. So they thought he was deserving but you don't need to be deserving for Jesus. This is why I build. This guy doesn't want to build nothing. This guy will build everything. This guy still dreams. This guy, this guy, even right now today, Keith or she is loaded with something so crazy. I can't even announce it. It's, it's beyond bizarre. So I build little churches in villages. Let's go to another picture real quick. 
This is our main hub in the Philippines. Let's go to another picture, all renovated and done. Uh, all the infrastructures. Let's go uh, to another picture. Uh, go! <laughs> Do we have another photo? Oh, it was going too fast. It's catching up. So there's some other things. It's, it's, uh, it's stuck. Have you ever been stuck in your life? <laughs> Do you need a little extra push? Do you need to be compelled into the beauty of what God has for you? Anyway, so anyway, that's just pictures of things we're building in some of the centers and facilities that we're doing right now. But it's stuck, so we'll move on. Let me show you uh, one other thing real quick. Being compelled to share the good news. And there's a verse. Luke 14, 23. The Bible says this. Then the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel them. Compel them to come in that my house may be filled. What compels you to invite anybody to come to church? How many people have you invited in the last 21 days? Let's not raise hands because we'd all be embarrassed. How many have you invited in the last 90 days? Let's not even go there. How many have you invited in this calendar year? Let's not even go there. How many have you invited in the last... You know, when you think about it, I used to... I used to always do it out of the flesh. I would go out on the highways and byways and tell everybody what a loser they were. What a sinner they were. You know, tell them how rotten they were. But now all I do is I announce who they are according to They look at me astonished. I was preaching down in the south recently. I just, I just thought of the story. Oh, I got to stop. Let me tell you the story, then I quit. Hey, you know what? It was raining. It was pouring like it was like, like a flood, you know? And uh, I had to go to this, uh, like a Rite Aid or a CVS, a pharmacy, to get a couple things before the church service, like some gum and stuff, so my breath was a little better than it normally is. So I went into this store to get a couple things, and this lady had this real cool raincoat on, and I was like being drenched. I had a little umbrella that was like getting battered in the wind and the, so I made a comment to her, you know, going down there. I said, man, that is such a cool rain jacket. I said, I've never seen one like that. And she turned and she says, well, thank you. She said, you're not from this area? You're not used to rain like this? I said, no, I'm from California. I just came to speak in a church. Oh, really, where? And I began to explain things. And I said, you know, the news. And I talked to her about this concept. I, I don't think I said three sentences. And she begins to weep. The way God sees her. She wept and wept. She wept harder than it was raining. I mean, it was beautiful. She wept harder than me. I didn't even weep then. I just, I was astonished. You know, the love of God shakes people to the depth of their core. It takes faith to believe this. It doesn't take no faith to live like this. It takes faith to believe that God sees you according to Christ. And this is why you can never allow yourself to be disappointed with yourself. Take time to be loved and let Jesus Christ change you forever. I'm all finished. Did you enjoy the word? Give the Lord a shout. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah.